Hi, I'm David Lord. This is my wife, Ginger. We've been married in June, 23 years. Got that right. We have three children. Our oldest is a boy who's 15, and then our daughter is 12, and our son is almost 11 in August. We're the Joneses, Jay and Diane, and uh, we have kids that range from 28 to four and a half, five of them. So we win some award. I'm not sure what it is. And we've been married a long time. So thanks for letting us come. Good morning. I'm glad to be back. Antoinette Davis. Um, My husband Barry and I have been married for 25 years. We have two uh, teenage daughters. Morgan is 17 and Katie is 15. She would tell you almost 16 in a month. So Mm -hmm. She's almost 16. Mm -hmm. Kind of like when you're two but you're not really two. We'll have a break for one moment. I think we're ready. And actually, the, our first questions came from Mark McLaughlin, who's in charge of uh, oh, <laughs> family, family ministries. Um, and his first one is for Dr. J. Can you please schedule my colonoscopy, Mark? Yeah, you're, you're 10 years overdue, I think, Mark. I've been telling you for 10 years. No. Okay, and then he wrote out one for, um, for the Lord. David and Ginger, how do you find time to have sex when you homeschool two kids and have one in high school? Mark... <laughs> I'm not making this up. That's a great question. You've got an answer, though. I I do, but not for this crowd. I will tell you that you hear over and over again how difficult it is when you have little ones in the house to make time for intimacy with your spouse. And what they don't tell you is how hard it is when you have teenagers in the house who stay up later than you do. Yeah, so. Okay, you got to go ahead. Yeah. We were moving that direction. It was 11 o'clock at night on a school night. And in walks our 15-year-old, plops on our bed. And we just kind of looked knowingly at each other and said, Oh, well, you know, that's it. And so there he sat for 30 minutes, you know, just wanting to be with us. Which is a great thing, but his timing stunk. <laughs> I think you should invest in a good lock on your door. Yeah. Amen. Okay. First question is, where do you draw the line between showing your kids kindness versus catering to them or overindulging them? Any thoughts? I can tell you we discipline our kids. 
and uh, we've heard and seen it done all different ways. But we we discipline our kids, and it pays off. I, I guarantee if you if you keep your kids reined in according to biblical principles from a young age, first of all, you won't have to do it very long. Okay, you know, I quit spanking my. 28-year-old when she is 27. No. I mean, you know, so physical discipline, uh, yeah, we do that. We did do that. Uh, we rarely do it. You know, our four-and-a-half-year-old, you know, just the daddy will get the switch. You know, that does it right there, you know. So, but it, it you know, I think it's the right thing to do to to teach your kids early that you, when you tell them to do something, they need to do it. They don't need to talk back. And you don't put up with it. You don't put up with talking back. You're not mean. You're loving. You're, and that's what you're doing. You're loving them because you're teaching them the right way to behave for the rest of their life. And they really enjoy it. They, I mean, they want that. And they do better. They're actually happier kids if you discipline them from a young age on. Well, And I think in that realm, too, it's important to decide what your standards are ahead of time um, like Jay mentioned talking back you know that's one of your standards then then that's where your bar is and so you don't give in on those things and so that's one of the ways that I think you help figure out the difference between overindulging and just being kind well, and, and I think we should keep in mind you know, here we sit in this beautiful building and all of you are really really rich you know, be sure and expose yourself and your children to people who are truly poor, not just in spirit. And that's what you're going for is to have your kids be poor in spirit and to recognize that um, they, they live in spiritual poverty. That's why you discipline them. And, um, you know, we do something at our house. We've had the, uh, where we, we don't do Easter Bunny, we don't do Santa Claus, we don't demonize them. If you do it, that's great. If you play the Santa Claus game, that's great. We don't play it, and our kids will tell your children that Santa Claus is not real. <laughs> no, but but the part of it is because we just are reacting to the culture that a lot of times that just gives parents another reason to get that next Xbox or that next uh, pretty pony or whatever it is. So, you know, whatever you feel like, like with your standard is what you're going to do with your little person to expose them to um, true worldly poverty, you know, um, then, then it will give them great cause to be thankful for what they have. If, if you've got 25 bucks in your pocket, you have more money than most of the rest of the world. So, um, and, and, and discipline yourself. You know, you don't have to have the cutest clothes. We, I have three girls. You have one. You have two girls. We're, I'm really careful about shopping. I don't take all three girls at the same time shopping. Um, they each have different styles and tastes. They, they, of course, started buying their own clothes when they were younger. Just, you know, practice uh Practice what you preach, and then um, and, and for little bitty children, I would encourage you to, um, to 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 challenge yourself to do certain things. You know, don't count uh, for them. Don't don't give them a count one two three. Expect that they will obey you, or there'll be a discipline. You'll be in timeout, or you'll you know you'll get spanked, and um, and and then again, you know, they can wear the great clothes from Target. Uh, they don't need to have the beautifully smocked clothes unless you're making them. You know, just fight those, fight those things. I would comment that I think the dad ought to be the chief disciplinarian, just because it, it really takes a burden off the spouse, the wife. Um, and I think the kids, you know, when they say daddy's going to come home, and you know, you're going to face daddy over what you've done to mommy all day. You know, so that and it. You know, they're, they're, they get to think about it, but at the same time, you need to discipline them right away if they're acting, if they're doing something. Uh, and I love my kids after I discipline them. That's the other thing. And again, I don't, I mean, physical discipline doesn't happen very often in our house. Um, 
but after you know, I give them a little time to realize why they were spanked, and then I go back and love them, I hug them, and I hold them, I kiss them, and you know, we don't usually have to talk a lot, but I let them know I love them. You know, I think it, it's fun to be spontaneous with our kids and to, to say, oh, you know, God has given us a beautiful day and he's given us 15 extra minutes in our schedule. Let's stop and just enjoy the gift of time and the gift of play. Um, and there are going to be other times when you can't do that and you have to say, Mommy's on a tight schedule. We, we don't have time today, but hopefully we can't another time. Um, so I think there's a balance there, and you're probably not going to be able to it all the time. I also think that you'll know when he starts to manipulate you with that and to say, you know, sweetheart, the last three times we've been on the way to the grocery store, you've asked me that. And maybe even to get him started in the morning thinking, okay, Mommy has to do these things today. Is there anything else you might want to add to our day? And help him start thinking about how a day is planned. And not to overly structure him, but to just help him understand what it takes for Mommy to run the house and her tasks to serve her family and to serve Daddy and um, just to begin engaging him in that process. But also to enjoy just the spontaneity of a beautiful day and, and fun with a child. It'll pass really quickly, too. I know y'all are all right in the middle of it. Um, and it, it, it can be a real whipping with little bitty children. But picture that child being, you know, we all have 15 and 16-year-olds and even older, and they don't really ask you to go and play in the park anymore. And, and they're, but, they're, but they can be master manipulators. So you're really giving him or her such a skill that is so smart and, and uh, letting them know that they don't have to order their day in, around these busy activities that we can stop and play. But that, yes, we did it the last three times. But today, Mommy, you know, we're going to see Grandmama, and that's, that's what we're going to do. And they will remind you 400 times that you let them do it the last time. But that's okay. I tend, I tend to do work before play. I just think it's a good trait because uh, you got to learn that as an adult. you got to do it as an adult. But at the same time, you, know, you don't want to be too rigid. I think you know, we are very scheduled out people, very busy people, much more than I remember being when I grew up. And I think there's a lot of value in just saying, whoa, we need to just focus on this child and go out and have fun. We need, you, know, you need to have fun. So. Okay. I, uh, one more thing I was just going to say. I think as um, parents we have so much opportunity to say no and and where we have to that when we can say yes that's a good thing yeah Okay, let, let me ask the next question because I think that'll take us. No, it's okay. It's a good one. Okay, the next one is, uh, what were some of the things that made you feel like you needed to move away from spanking as your child got older and around what age? And another question is, 
can you give some tips for alternatives to time out? Or basically, I guess let's just comment generally on discipline in your family, how you handled that, when you moved away from spanking, other things you did. Just give them some tools to put in their arsenal on those days when that's what you feel like you do all day. Okay, let, let's let them each just kind of comment. And, and, it's, and I said this last time, it's like every family is going to look different. All these people love the Lord. Um, they're all raising their families to the best of their ability and the way they think God has instructed them. So it's going to look different. So don't, if you think you're going to leave here with a, with a manual, I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, all right, who wants, who wants to go first? I can, I'll comment. Uh, one of the best things my wife did was give me uh, a memograph of James Dobson's Focus on the Family's Guidelines for Spanking Your Kids. You know, and it had this column over here, discipline, this column over here, abuse. Okay, and a lot of times as, as the disciplinarian, you could cross that line very easily. You start getting angry, so, you know, spanking when you know, beating a child, hitting a child when you're angry, you know, whoa, you've got to stop. You know, and so one thing I would say, if you're, if you're continuing to have to, to physically discipline a child, you know, there's a point where that needs to stop because it really will cross the line quickly. And if it hasn't worked quickly, then you need to look at something else. Um, and timeouts are great. Um, I, I've done timeouts all kinds of ways with my kids. I've taken the lock and reversed it on the doors and locked them in the room so they could not come out of the room. Okay, and that happens. That happened with one child. It worked great. You know, after one time going to the door, they couldn't get out. Oh, you know, we didn't leave them in there to be, you know, by their own means. By for you know, 20 minutes or 10 minutes, you stand outside the door, you hear what they're doing. Uh, and I've taken doors off rooms for my teenagers, you know, daughters that used to slam the door. You know, well, okay, you don't need a door. You know, and then they get to go. You know, that's a very effective way of dealing with. Yeah, you know. I've, you know we don't. We just haven't had to do much of that in our house because, uh, again, from a young age, you teach them. And I, I feel for moms or anyone that has to has a child that's unruly and, and the usual form of discipline doesn't work right away. That's you know I would say try something else and get some help. Um, James Dobson's the Focus on Family has a wonderful website about all that. Well, and just and just uh, doing this, you know, talking amongst yourselves. Um, for the little children between like um, two and a half and uh, before six years old, maybe five and four, okay, your your child's behavior ought to start to correct a lot by four. It'll still regress, boy or girl will regress. Maybe boys get a little, they're a little more stompier and, and girls are a little mouthier. So um, with the spanking, be careful. I'd say if you're angry, don't spank. Okay, don't do it. If you're if you're not angry, basically the Bible says, "Children obey your parents in the Lord." Okay, what does that mean? To obey immediately without question. Okay, that's that's pretty clear cut scripture, and um, and it's a whipping with a three year old. I think three and four is very difficult. Um, I, with our second daughter, who has grown up to to actually be a lovely human, um, she would. Uh, it was just hard every day. She would go in her room for. Uh, she wouldn't sleep, but I put her in her room because I had a baby. And I needed an hour or two. She'd go in there, and if she was really angry, she'd kick the walls and kick the doors. And I just felt so defeated as a mother. And I would just cry, you know, because I thought a spanker didn't work. So I picked up the phone and called an older mother with more children. And she said, oh, my second daughter used to do this, who was a lovely teenager. I was like, you're kidding. 
So first of all, I felt better knowing that other people had been through that. It wasn't just my kid. And then she said, tell me what you're doing. And so when she threw her toys and kicked the wall, I would spank her because she was destroying our things in our home. But if she wanted to lay in her room and writhe on the floor and and be moderately loud, that was okay. That was what we set up for her. And it, and it made more sense for her. You know, you can discipline with logic, too. And you can be creative. You know, our kids have cleaned things. Little children, you might put just a sponge in their hand. You know, take the emphasis off the behavior. And some boys or girls, boys in particular, they may, they may just love a spanking. Just go ahead and give me a spanking, and I'm going to go right on back to it. I can do it. Just go ahead and whip my buddy, you know, because I can do it. <laughs> Yeah, I think sometimes as moms, I would have to take a time out um, and even tell my kids, I'm putting you in your room, I need a time out, and so I need you to go play, and I'd have to get on the phone and call a girlfriend and say, you know, it's happening again today, and I'm about to lose it, so help me figure out, talk it through with me, what else can I do, or, you know, can you guys come over and let's distract and play or let's go for a walk and I just found a lot of times my discipline problems happen in relation to my kids needing physical outlets um, my youngest is very active and so just you know if we were in the house and things were getting wild we might need to go for a bike ride I mean just putting all that into motion that energy and letting her or go to the park and running around which is a little sounds counter you know, to, to discipline, but it was a way for me to get her back into self-control so we could talk about it. And that's also when I found timeout most effective was when my, I could teach my children self-control and that it's kind of like going to the Lord when we've sinned and having quiet time with Him and repenting of that sin. And that's kind of how I, Barry and I tried to teach quiet time or timeouts was really to go sit to get your mind wrapped around what's the behavior God would have you choose and kind of get right with Him. So even today with teenagers, um, not that we really have to use time out much, but we encourage our girls when there's a behavior issue, go have your quiet time. I mean, we don't, you know, go have your time out. So we've used that even into the teen years. We call it something different, but just a way for them to get that self-control back to be reflective and to think about their behavior, which, you know, you're not there as a toddler, but to start using it that way so that when you need it as a teenager or older, when we need it as adults to go sit before the Lord and confess, it's kind of just a built-in habit. So we still use time out. I was just going to say, you you said that you felt like you were spanking them all day long, and I remember that, and just being frustrated, why isn't this working? I I think part of the point is, well, it's not working. You know, if you if you are repeatedly having to spank, then then we need to appeal to something else. Maybe if you spank several times and it's not working, well, okay, let me explore other options. The timeout, taking away privileges, uh, go take the sponge and wipe the wall, or whatever whatever it is. But if this isn't working, it, it's kind of pointless to keep doing that. Although I remember doing that. And the other thing was, and someone else addressed this. If I feel like I'm having to spank all day long, then I really need to be careful because I'm probably going to be angry. You know, it just keeps piling up and I'm getting frustrated and I'm going to have to make sure I take that time out because I'm going to discipline and anger and then, that, then you are in danger of crossing a line. 
and sometimes you do have to be creative and and you have to know your child um, our youngest um, for various reasons we got to a point and realized that spanking just didn't work with him and just because of the way God wired him and um, it was hard for us because well this worked with the other two why isn't it working with him you know we had to change um, but there was a specific instance where um, he would get frustrated and bite particularly his sister and that was a major offense and um, we did spank him for that on at least a couple of occasions and and realized that it just wasn't working and so as we thought through that situation um, Justin has some sensory issues and so like hmm okay we're gonna go with the old-fashioned soap in the mouth and it took once and that behavior went away um, because that was so unpleasant for him um, that it was effective. And um, and so that's part of that is knowing your child. And just a practical thing, I mean, and first of all, there are days when they're just pushing your buttons all day long, and you have to discipline all day long. Um, but there is also the practical side of sometimes if you're spanking, and you're spanking, and you're spanking, and you're spanking, um, it may not hurt enough. Um, for it to to have made a difference, um, and so your options there are look at how you're spanking. Just what are you using? You know, it needs to sting. You know, all the that practical kind of stuff. Um, I'm sure y'all have heard about the rod, which is a, um, a a leather strap which stings but doesn't cause injury. Um, and sometimes it's just time for daddy to enter the picture, because there's always it, it was always more effective if it was came from daddy. So. If you if you have if your husband um, is close to you, it, we have been blessed that we tried to always live close to where Jay worked, and he would actually come home and discipline if I was just losing my mind. And boy, it didn't take another time. And and for teenagers, we would um, my, our first three teenagers were women, you know, and we know how we are. And so um, I would just, they, they didn't get spanked, but I would just drop them at Dad's office, and they could sit in the chair. So boring. <laughs> boring. They hate that. So it was so punishing to sit in Dad's office in a chair. But, I like that. I like that. For the little baby. Jay, can we bring our children by and have them sit in your office in the chair? Sure. Okay, okay, these are just awesome. This is why I love doing this because I leave and I'm like, oh, good, that's a great idea. Um, okay, we're going to change gears for a second. When Let me say she'd call when she's in the parking lot. They're, they're here. They're all poo. We're here. That's great. Okay, Holly, real quick, let me reference you may know, but um, on Watermark Radio, uh, as far as discipline goes, uh, any of the talks that Trisha Kegler's done on discipline um, are very good. Uh, David and I did one back in. 09, February of 09, um, at a training camp day, um, that where we really went into discipline and all of that. So, I think for her, it's just reconciliation. I, I would just, I would just grab her up, and that's the thing too with 
whoever you're spanking all day long, be counterintuitive. Just grab them, wrestle them, especially if it's a boy. Wrestle them down. I love you. Tickle them. You know, they're like us, but they're shorter. You know, and they they go to the potty in their pants. You know, and and they just need uh, they need something. You know, that one probably needs something. And check check what's going on in your life, where you are in your cycle, that kind of stuff. You know, there's 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 ways to. Um, there's ways to uh, to ignore behaviors. It's okay to ignore some behaviors. You know, uh, behaviors that hurt or destroy. You really can't ignore those. But you know, just you're annoying me. You know, we annoy them sometimes. I think you you can love your child's boo boo. Okay. Um, when you felt hopeless, what scripture did you use to help? Antoinette sitting there with her Bible open. Do you have one, Antoinette? Um, well, I, I guess I mean, just hopelessly drained as a mother. Um, you know, for me, it would be really any of the Psalms, just to go through and read one through that, you know, God is always there. He's always with me. And, um, you know, just sitting quietly at his feet. Sometimes it wasn't even reading, but just listening for God. Or going out. For me, it's stepping outside and looking at the trees and the sun and knowing he created all of that. I know he's given me everything I need to be a mother, and I just need to listen for his wisdom to go back. And, and um, So I don't know if anyone have one specific. I think something that occurs to me is God is never just working on your child. He is always working on you when he's working on your child. And so the fact that you would get discouraged and down... Papa loves child to run to him and say, I'm hurting, help me, hold me. So God loves for you to just just go and sit in his lap and cry and complain and mourn. And and that God is using that not only in the child's life, but he's using that. He's appointed in his sovereignty, which I love his sovereignty. He's appointed that for your life for some reason. I don't know what it is. But a part of it is just use that. Know that. No, God, okay, He's driving me crazy, but you're also using this to work something in me. Help me. What is it? Help me. Strengthen me. And, um, just a few specific verses that come to mind would be, and I don't know the reference, but um, I believe it's in Psalms where it talks about how He gently leads those with young. You know, that he's God's gentle with us. He understands um, where... You know, Psalm 103, that, you know, as far as the East is from the West, so great is His love for us, for us as well as for our children. Um, you know, Romans, that, you know, He'll use all things, to, like David said, to work good um, in, in all of our lives. Um, and, and I'm a Psalm 23 fan. If I'm just had a rough day, I, I can go hang out in Psalm 23 and say, Oh God, I need my green pasture right now. <laughs> Um, so those are just some that come to mind. I would say um, the Psalms tell us that God will make perfect that which concerns us. I mean, he's going to complete it. He's going to make it perfect. Uh, and that, uh, you know, unto the hills I lift mine eyes where, from whence comes my aid. My aid comes from the Lord above who has made heaven and earth. If he's made heaven and earth, you know, he cares for everything in the heaven and the earth. He cares for me. Um, he will. God will grant me the desires of my heart. I don't really desire a big house and fancy clothes. What I desire is that my children would love him, follow him, and have a heart for him. Um, and keep that in mind. Keep the broader 
you know, always go for that big picture. You know, reach out for your community. Um, uh, lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. That's from Proverbs. Um, what else, Jeff? First uh, Corinthians, no temptation uh, has overtaken you except such as is common to man. God is faithful, won't let you be tempted beyond what you can handle. So, I mean, I see us you know, most situations we get into. You got you know, the devil's, you know, usually on one side of it, pushing you to, to do something that God doesn't want you to do, including maybe how you handle your kids. So, you know, just stop. God is sovereign over this whole situation, and. I've got victory already. I don't need to go down a path I shouldn't be going down. And just stop. The more scripture you memorize and have in your head, the better. And I, I admit I'm the worst. I've, I've memorized scriptures over and over, and I forgot them. And I don't have a plan of continually making my brain rememorize or retain that stuff. You know, and, and that's that's one area that I think we should all work at. I bet. Um, I'm good about praying. I think. I'm good about reading scriptures and studying it, even in community. But, you know, I've got a list of verses I've memorized a million times over. And I just, you know, I don't keep them in there as well as I should. Okay, we're going to switch uh, switch to another direction. Uh, we had several boy questions. I'll read these. Antoinette's out on this one. Um, okay, uh, we have all boys. Will you comment... Uh, on acceptable boy behavior. As a mom, I struggle with not wanting to feminize them, but also not wanting them to kill each other. Okay, from another mom, I have two boys, 16 months apart. Youngest is just starting to walk. What are uh, little and big ways to teach them they can still be competitive, but not compete always against each other and love each other? Tips from a mom from the beginning to not pit them against each other. Specifics, please. Okay, one of the things, we, we had two girls that were close together. We do have two sons. They're just not close in age. Um, the thing about competing, I'm sure uh, they run for the same car seat. They go for the elevator button. I mean, you name it. They're competing for it. Who's the fastest? And inevitably, either the younger one or the bigger one, the older one will be taller, bigger, stronger, faster, whatever. So if you want to, I think it's a good idea to remove as much of that as possible and make it like uh, I got I'm not a, a teacher but I got a lot of tips from kindergarten teachers you know put the little sticks in the bottle and pull one oh today it's Billy's turn to sit in the blue car seat yeah, I just am amazed at what they fight over it's amazing uh, and I wouldn't engender competition in your children what does the Bible say about your child bring a child up in the way he should go or she should go that means they have a bent right so one of your boys may be very, or girls, may be very artistic and, um, and, and sensitive. And the other boy or girl may be just, you know, competitive and rough around the edges. Glory in those things and, and, ha- and invite the other, the other sibling to take part in that. Your two close siblings will probably be competitive. That's, that you're not going to remove all of that. And they will probably whack each other. And that's probably a given. But um, you can take a lot of the dynamics out of that. And I, as they get older, be very careful about how you choose to support the bent. For example, if, if one child's going to play a lot of sports, 
are you going to drag everybody to every sporting event in Dallas, Texas, or is it going to happen on Sunday? You know, you're, so you're planting little seeds right now in in shaping who those little men are and who those little guys are. And uh, the, the great thing about guys is that when they have a conflict, they settle it pretty quick. And girls, you know, it tends to go on for days. Now, we had lots of angst in our house, but uh, so I would remove as much of the competition as you can uh, with just orderly behavior. I would say, speaking um, primarily in the first question, that uh, I remember, you know, I was kind of one of those moms with my first boy because my boys are on either end. Um, it was like, well, you know, I'm not sure how I feel about guns in the house, and you know, and um, and then I, I was reading Wild at Heart one day. I would recommend any mother boys read Wild at Heart just to get an understanding of, especially if you grew up with all girls you, know, you haven't been around a lot of boys. But I was reading Wild at Heart one morning, and he was talking about in there, you know, well-intentioned moms who try to keep guns out of the house, and you know, their boys chew their graham crackers into handguns at the breakfast table. And I just laughed out loud. I thought, well, that was me, you know. And and so it just. It, it, Get to know your boys. Know that they are different than you. God has wired them differently, and and that's okay. Um, but at the same time, there you have to. Okay, so what are the weaknesses? And try to to learn that. And, and it'll be different with each child. You do have to get to know each child, and um, and try to you know not let them kill each other. And but in our our 15-year-old son occasionally will be at the table eating with his hands, you know, and, and his sisters will be appalled. And, he, and he's like, well, why? It's easier. And we're like, no, you have to live in the United States where we use, you know, silverware, honey. And, and his sisters, you know, he's not using his deodorant. Please use your deodorant. I tried it. Mom, I tried it. It doesn't work. You know, <laughs> girls have their own challenges, but, but boys are, are, are fun. But I would say, look, if you have boys, you, you just give it up. Put on your tinnies. Go camping. You know, we go camping. We go to the zoo. What, you know, they need to be outside a lot. So do girls, but, but um, boys need to wrestle a lot. I, I, have, I have taught Jack his four and a half. You don't wrestle with me. He wrestles. So... Okay, any behavior that's absolutely off limits. Like where even if he is a boy, we don't we're not gonna let this fly in our house. Hitting parents. Are we no, hitting, hitting, hitting parents is off. Hitting yeah. siblings. Yeah, with the intent to hurt him. There's a fine line a lot of times between that play roughage right. and you know, and whacking him in the face. We do sword fight and stuff in our house. We have and and right now the weapons have to be used outside instead of inside. And um, so we've we had do. our share of lightsabers and all well, such. Expect yeah. occasional cry, and that's okay. You know, let let them get hit and hurt a little bit. It, you know, I mean, most times they come in crying, they don't have a significant injury. You can look at them, tell that it. You know, so you Jay, don't you Jay, don't want to overreact to. He, he's injury. the youngest of six boys, yeah. so I often say to him. You know what's what what is going on here? With boys, sometimes you you might see. Uh, I have seen more boys b- with less initiative at school, as opposed to more. There are some boys that are more Type A in school, but less. Um, I've been to meetings on it. Boys typ- typically mature socially much later than girls. It's such a blessing. We have such a sweet 15-year-old son. He's so precious. Um, boys are visual. You need to keep that 
internet and TV, you ladies, I'm telling you, those boys can be addicted to gaming so quickly. It is amazing. I don't understand how any of that works. I don't. It, just, it doesn't interest me. It doesn't interest my daughters. They need to be working with their hands. I am not a big sports fan, but the discipline for boys in sports is excellent. If they if they don't like sports and, and, and they're male, try something like taekwondo, that type of thing. They need that discipline because they are male and they've got that testosterone thing going in them and uh, so they need an outlet okay anybody who wasn't here sue bowen spoke on this in the fall the wonder of boys and it was fabulous home run so you can go listen to that online yes Let me repeat it so they'll have it on tape. Question is, how? What do you do with a child who always wants to win, be first, and how do? You, what do you do about this competitive bent? Go ahead. Well, you know, just if I think Diane's comment about you know kind of assigning a day in our family when my girls were younger, especially you know because I only have two is easy about that three we just do three days but odd days. One of them was born on an odd day, so odd day was her day. She got to be first that day. First out of the car seat, first out of the car, even day. The other one was born on, so this was easy. She got to be first, and it kind of equalized that, and that meant first in everything, helping mommy to be first. You know, you got to make the salad, because, you know, whatever they were arguing about was always kind of the first, and that diffuses that a little bit if you assign and you're just regular. And after about a year, it just went away. They knew, oh, today's my day. What day is it, Mom? They learned to look at the calendar on their own. and I think the competitive nature about always wanting to win, um, girls have that too, right? All the, all, um, is just really teaching them slowly that, you know, let's let someone else win this time, sometimes. Let's take turns. And, you know, that's just part of being three, no matter what you have. And, and right now he can win because his sister isn't big enough, but she's going to get big. And um, so teaching him now how to manage that so that when she gets big enough, because they catch up at some point, um, I mean, she may be taller than him when she's 11 or 12, um, you know, just how to deal with that. What are your thoughts on how to Okay, we, we have an only. We have Jack. He's four and a half, and he's surrounded by adults. And I used to sit with him, and, and I'd grab a toy away and say, this is mine. And he'd be like, what? But, um, <laughs> I think I'm off about a cake or whatever. Well, I, I suggest that, but what, you know, I just, that was such a concern in my heart. And again, God will grant us the desires of our heart. Friends, uh, some young people moved in across the street, and they had two little boys, and we rent them. And so Jack now understands, like, like okay, if you hit someone, they're going to hit you back. This is something boys have to learn, and you, you need to let them learn that. Whack. Cry, cry, cry. Oh, gosh, I'm sorry, honey. You know, what did you do? Nothing. I'm sorry you got hit. That must have hurt. See how it hurts when you hit people? So God provided us with a friend. If, if you don't get one, I would, I would, uh, I would get your child a, a friend and, it, and, and that would be a sibling kind of friend. Okay, hang on. We're gonna we're the, the next uh, foray is into potty training because we had multiple questions about this. Okay, and I'll read them and then y'all can kind of process this. I can't get my three-year-old to poop in the potty. He is scared. Any ideas? 
What is a good way to potty train my son two years and one month? Effective way, uh, let's see. Uh, my daughter is completely potty trained with number one, but will not poo poo on the potty. She waits until nap or just prior to going to sleep. Any suggestions? What should I do? Okay. Those are the, the potty training. And then add to that well, boys me, peeing outside. Okay. Well, let me just help you all feel better. I, I was horrible at potty training. Uh, my daughter didn't potty train totally till she was three and a half and it was the whole what was she was peeing in the potty but she wouldn't poop and if I made her clean out her underwear that was all the more fun you know and I I mean I just so I, I I'm not I'm not sure I have any words of wisdom except just hang in there it will happen it will happen and boys peeing outside it's not a it's not a great thing. I mean, you just got to just I would keep correcting it. And I'll tell my son go around back and pee. You know, yeah. If you pee outside, go around over here. there. I'm like, what if our daughters went outside and pee? You know? Well, <laughs> yeah. Just wait till they poop outside. It's it's the earth. That happened at our house, and I was like, excuse me, are you a dog? It's the control issue. When they're younger, they don't have the control. You know, so you can, you know, my, my, when he was three, I, Dad, I got to go pee. He's outside. Right around the, go over there, quick. You know, that was versus making a mess, you know. Didn't have time to pick him up, run him to the house. You know, there's, he, and he quit doing that when he gained adequate control of his functions. He goes inside. Now he has plenty of control, you know. And we didn't, we didn't sweat potty training our last one. In fact, Diane went on spring break, I think a year ago, and, I potty trained him. I said, okay, you've you got to quit. And she came home. You potty trained him? Yeah, he's, he's ready. He's okay, done. We, no, we had Ben hid the diapers because I would go back and get them like an addict. Hide the diapers. I didn't want to throw them away because, you know, I bought them. And so our 15-year-old hid the diapers, and then Jay potty trained him. And, you know, I had all these well-meaning people tell me, potty training a day or potty training in 24 hours or la, la, la. And I asked the Mother's Day Out teacher, how, what is the percentage of children in this class? He's, he's, what, he's four, but he's what's called an older three because his birthday's in the fall. What percentage of children in this class are potty trained? And she said, 99%. And I have five kids, you know, ooh. And I used to have gray hair. And I was like, oh, my gosh. So last year... One child graduated from high school, one child graduated from college, and one child went to graduate school. And the very best thing that happened to me was the boy got potty trained. And he was four years old. So, you know, I, it is a just, it's just one of those really hard things. But it will happen. I mean, look at us. We're all yeah. putty trained. <laughs> okay, in, anybody have any practical tips? Just like things that, that throw out things that you tried. Just to give them some something get, get to go home with. Get rid of the with. diapers and the pull-ups. Get, get rid of them. Get, I know, I hate it. But, well, no, you, you traveling's carry. different. You just stay at home. To try it, you know what, if it doesn't work in the week or three days that you try to go without plastic products, then they're probably not ready. Okay, and you're just going to have to tell Mother's Day out of preschool, whatever it is. If no one's putting any pressure on you, then maybe you should stop pressuring yourself. Because they will potty train. Claire was born in a time when they did not make plastic diapers, so we used the uh, cloth. Oh. I, and I understand now you can use cloth that has kind of removable stuff, whatever. But we had to wash them out by hand. We didn't have a washer and dryer either. It was gross. So she was potty trained when she was two. Okay, everybody else was potty trained, you know, when 
when they were three and a half or four because it's so easy. You celebrate the accomplishments and you don't make big deals out of the bad stuff because that's reinforcing bad behavior. Um, When we got a new dog, you know, the vet says, well, don't let let the dog see you clean up after him. So they have, and they know what's going on in their mind. They know exactly, they control you, you know. So you, you know, when our son started, you know, putting in the body, we go, everybody go, oh, yay, we look at, yay, big party, you know, and hey. Okay, so and, what uh, about being scared to poop on the potty? We had a couple of that. Yeah, we had, uh, we had that, and I had a daughter that would go behind a chair. You know, girls, they, they tend to get things uh, faster. They're, they want to please usually more before boys do. And she would go put on a diaper or another pair of pants and go behind a chair or something and poop, and I'm just like, that is so weird. But you know what? They do stuff like that. And, you, you know, don't get bad. It's not a discipline issue. It's just, you know, it's just going to talk about it again. Sweetheart, you know, the poo-poo goes in the potty. Take him to the potty with you. You know, blah, blah, blah. You know, uh, one of mine was afraid of the water. It was the flushing function. And so I would take saran wrap and put it inside the potty. I know that sounds gross. But she would go on the saran wrap. It was all about the water and the whirling. Same kid had a little bit of an issue with the bathtub drain going. So ask, you know, what is it about the potty, sweetie? You know, do you not want it to go down? Because we can put something else there and try that. You can turn the water off on the potty and just put a paper towel in the bottom of it and pick that up. I mean, just to start, because a lot of time it is a fear thing. You know they, you know, if you if they're really ready, you know they have the control. Um, and, you know, if none of that works, just stop for a couple weeks and just say, sweetie, when you're ready, you tell me. And lo and behold, you know, my kids went to kindergarten. No one in kindergarten wasn't potty trained. But I think society tells us, oh, my, the Joneses' two-year-old's potty trained, so I better get on with it. You know, we we do compare, even though we know we're not supposed to. So just say, you know, I'm kind of done, sweetie. You're in control of your little body, and so if you want to start potty training, you tell Mama. And this week would be really good, but if not, we'll wait, and and they will get there. But sometimes it is a control thing, too, or they're afraid of the water functions. You might have to teach them where water goes, where their poo-poo's going. We need to keep those people at the sewer company working. And that's where I mean, you know, be creative. There's a cute little book about the potty and where the poo-poo goes, if you haven't read that, and that everyone poops and all God's creations do. And so I just try to find out where the fear is. I think sometimes it's just I'm afraid of the water. It wasn't in my house. It was I'm afraid of that flushing. So we just took that away, and we got potty trained really quick. I just want to add, don't set yourself up for failure either. If you are overcommitted, if you have no margin in your day, if your in-laws are coming in town or you're traveling, it's not a good time. You're, you're, doing, you're going to frustrate yourself and your child. Okay, that was a, that the, one of Antoinette's comments about comparison is a great segue to our next question, which is comparing is so easy to do. How do you avoid comparing your children and also avoid comparing your own kids to others? Jones, just have a walk with we Jesus. Yeah. You can't avoid it. You know, you're going to do it. Um, and, and uh, yeah. You have to pray a lot about it. And, and it, you know, out of all of us in this room, we're going to have children with learning issues. And uh, we're all made uniquely by the Lord. One of the things that troubles me that probably we're all running into is that there is a big push for children to have resumes. That makes me crazy. You know, we have three children who have gone to college and went on his way. 
And, you know, Jesus had the best resume of all. He was the Alpha and Omega, the, the Supreme Lord of the Universe, the Mighty God, the Perfector of our faith. And it took him to the cross. So having a, a resume for a child or what they can do well is a worldly thing. It's not a sin. It's a worldly thing. And we want to focus on spiritual things. So, honey, you are, you are so incredibly sensitive. I think the Lord has, has really made you to love on people. Our sweetheart, you know, your, your, your legs can run fast. Have you ever heard of Eric Little? He's the one that starred. I mean, the, he's the story of the uh, Chariots of Fire. He was a fabulous missionary that died in China. He used his gift to, to really have, share his testimony with the world uh, many years ago. So, you know, be careful that you don't play into that. Watch, watch what you're doing on your social media. What are you glorifying on Facebook about your kid? Because they're going to do it when they're 15 or 16. Okay, and um, if, if there's really something troubling you, you know, if, 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 if somebody's kid is so much better at something, you know, try telling them. You know, I just feel so jealous of, of your little girl. She's so beautiful, or she reads at a third grade level. Okay, just letting that out. You know, can you help me? Can you pray for me that I don't just look at your child and just wish my child were that way? I would say don't try to live your lives through your kids. I mean, we see that all the time. You know, dad wants their son to be the football star or the basketball star. And you, you create a terrible pressure on their on them. And and they pick up on how you treat them and if you're disappointed that they're not such a good sport, you know. Um, I always chuckle when I go to sports events with our peers and the dads are, and the mothers but mostly the dads are just all over the place with their mouths and yell at the refs and all this stuff you know, you know, just, you know it's a terrible testimony um, and this, this is a Christian school you know and I just you know, that, that's not what life's all about yes sports are fun they're good but you know you need to know about your kids each one what they um, need to fill their um, self-worth in. And, and you can greatly affect that. And you can hurt them. For, I mean, you can seriously give them emotional trouble for a life, especially if you're favoring one kid over the other. You've got a football star or whatever, and you're, oh, yeah, and you're, oh, you're going to all those games, and you're really belling them up, but you're you know, letting this other one kind of sit by the side. Give equal time. And if you find yourself not giving equal time, you've got to come up with a way to do it. And you've got to say, whoa, what, you know, and it's hard because you're going to like the one that has your like interest, right? It's going to very, be very easy. You've got a you know, great saxophone player in your family and coming up. No, you, you, no. May, you may go through periods of time where you, there is a child in your house that you don't like so much, okay? And, and uh, yeah, first of all, like you're human and that's normal. But it's, it's, it's not the way God treats us, right? God loves us completely unconditionally. So you need to let someone know, you know, I'm, I'm just not liking so-and-so, and explore that, pray about it, and then find a way to reconnect with that kid. You, we're looking for connections with our kids, um, not worldly pursuits. That's another place I would land on is, is what I want for my child, something worldly. Again, I didn't say it was sinful. I'm just saying it's worldly. Or is it spiritual? Because spiritual children are going to raise up a spiritual heritage for you. They, they, they could be the president of the United States of America or, or IBM or something, but they could also be just the most wonderful school teacher um, who leaves a legacy of, of, of or, or the greatest mom to three kids or whatever. And um, I, I would 
just say it's a continual battle. The whole comparison thing, you know, we have a son in high school, you know, it's just, okay, is he, you know, there's, there's so much to compare to. And so I would say, it, you know, I said walk with Jesus, and, but that really is what it boils down to because we have to watch our hearts. Um, and a practical thing I know for me, and David and I have had this conversation about just read. Read good parenting books to help keep your perspective um, where it needs to be. Because I feel like I, you know, the only time I'm balanced is when I pass through the middle. So I always need something to to bring me back center on, on those issues and who my kids are and what God wants them to be and what's really important. In, in your community, you know, if, if sometimes a friend may point out to you. Like, like where we are in life, we have a lot of friends that are focused on SAT scores and class rank and GPA and what college a kid is going to get into. And some people get overly focused on that, and it's hurtful to the child. You know, some boys and girls aren't ready to go to college, and it is natural for us to think that you're going to turn 18 and, and go to college. And you may not be prepared to do that. And it's, it's not... There's nothing shameful in saying, hey, you know, we're going to take a year and do something different. Why would you, would you blow 30 grand on anything else in your life? No. You're going to say, hey, you know, what would you like to do? Would you like to go with youth with a mission for a year? What, what do you want to do? So take that time now when they're little, too. I would um, just start preaching some scripture to your kids. Jeremiah 29:11. God has a plan for them. That plan isn't going to be the same as the, their best friend. God has a unique design for them. He wove them in your womb or in someone else's womb, and he gave them to you to raise. But they were created with gifts and talents and abilities that are unique and are different. They may be a great math student, but they may really struggle at English. And as parents, we've got to accept that. We've got to encourage them. But, you know, I, I look around rooms of great adults and, you know, will say, how many of you made straight A's? <laughs> You know, not many of us. Or how many of you got perfect scores on something? Or how many of you were the champion soccer player? You know, really, most of us were normal people who had strengths and weaknesses. And we just have to start teaching our kids that's how God creates us. He creates a very few superheroes of the faith. But he creates a lot of workers of the faith. And they are part of his army, and he is building them and growing them and strengthening them. So if they're armed with those scriptures from the time they're little, when they start getting in those situations and they're being compared, they're going to have that armor of God on them to start deflecting some of those arrows. Um, So I just think pick a couple and just remind them. You know, even when they're three and they don't win at at whatever Gosh, you know what? You're beautifully and wonderfully made. God has a plan for you, but it wasn't to win today. So off we go to accept that. So I just think start feeding them that because they're going to need it when society starts convincing them that if they're not perfect, they're not great in society's eyes. Just a comment for a moment on um, how you avoid the frenzy of Dallas where there's an opportunity to sign your two-year-old up for every class under creation. And did you limit in your household, um, we'll do one sport and one extracurricular thing, or will we wait until we're a certain age, or you can do as much as you want? How did you, how did you avoid the frenzy? Diane had a good rule. Uh, it was You go to church, that can include Wednesday night. Or Wednesday, especially when they're teenagers, and you can do one other thing. And it was for our sanity. You know, I'm not saying one's the absolute limit, but I would say, you know, the, my experience or my observation, we tend to let them do too much, and that that creates a frenzied lifestyle and, and a lot of pressure on them. 
so I, I'd err on the side of downtime, staying home, you know, just being a family, spend time together. Because when you're doing all these other things, you may be there, but you're not really together. So yeah, I think they, limits are very reasonable. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, you guys would have an opportunity to do to um, socialize with your community groups or, or whatever, your uh, people your age. Um, we used to go camping. Uh, we were in a traditional church with traditional Sunday school. We were all the same age. We'd go camping with 30 families. It was hilarious. I hate camping, and I still do it. Um, but it's, it's pulling your family off. Um, Jay and I were not athletes. I know you can't believe that looking at us. Wait a second. Um, pretty nerdy. But um, one of our daughters was, and apparently people thought she was really super great at something. And... Um, you know, you got to be really careful with that. Because I, I sat back and I thought, you know, how many kids actually go to the Olympics or to college on full scholarships? And if they do, is that really where they want to go to college? And do they really want to play football or soccer or badminton? And, of course, she's female. So I was wondering, well, what, what could she do with that? Well, she could be a coach. That would be great if that's what she wants to do. But this culture here is crazy wild about sports in particular but anything else your kid does well you know we're in scouts and even that can get crazy um just you i challenge you to be really vigilant and uh, sometimes that will be your peer group and you'll notice that your whole peer group is going to play baseball okay that's your peer group doing that maybe you should go and do that that's okay um but but again it's better for your family to go camping than you to send your husband to go camping with Y guides. Why aren't you going camping with your little your little person? You know, maybe you have a baby at home. I don't know, but um, be careful what you sign up for. You're not going to get left out. Your kid, you know, we have three grown daughters, and they didn't miss out on life because we wouldn't sign up for every sport. A, a lady for my second child in kindergarten asked me to sign that child up for soccer, and I said, I'm, I'm not going to do that. She already took ballet lessons, and I thought that was enough. And she said to me, you will never be able to get on this soccer team. <laughs> and I said, I think, you know, that's a risk I'm going to have to take. <laughs> and it's so funny because that kid hates, still hates to sweat. She would have never, she would like the uniform, you know. But So there's going to be a lot of pressure to do things. And, and I would say you've got to keep your family a priority. You know, family time. Kids just need room to grow up, you know, and play and be creative. And um, and we homeschooled, so we didn't have quite as much pressure because there weren't as many opportunities, although it's still hard to be home enough to get school done. You still have to make those decisions. But... Um, I think, you know, just saying, you know, our family is the priority and maintaining those relationships and not being off in 10 different directions. And, you know, kids just need time to be kids. And, yeah, sports are great and they learn stuff, and um, but you just have to stay vigilant. And you, your kids, like Diane said, your kid's not going to suffer if they haven't you know, played every sport or all of that. So. And they, they will get the chance to, in junior high and high school, whether they're homeschooled, private school, or public school, they get the chance to play sports there. Um, there is some question of whether you want to give them a little bit of training before they get into something like that. But then they do it during the normal course of their day. And they're also older, and their bodies are stronger and bigger. And uh, But there's, I don't know, it, you know, you if you want your child to learn a musical instrument, you've got a lot of time in the week to do that. 
So um, be very vigilant. Be careful. Dallas, and know Dallas is crazy. And, and you know what you should do? Form friendships right now where people are like-minded with you. So when things get crazy, you can call. Even if your girlfriend moves across to the other zip code, you can call her and say, okay, what's ha- I'm going crazy. I don't want to do this. And she can support you in your decision not to be in every club on campus. And I would say reassess regularly because you're going to go through seasons and you're going to get off this end of the spectrum. And, you know, David and I still, you know, have times where we just, okay, well, how, how, are, how are we doing and what's our pace like? Assess your pace of life and, um, and be willing to make adjustments. Just change something, drop something, you know, and, and that's okay. I'd say there's great value in sitting on the couch and reading to your kid. Okay, so and so equal time. You know, if they're going to spend an hour doing sports or computers, or whatever, uh, I think evidence would support you want a kid that's well-rounded and does well later in life academically. Read to them in a little, hold them in their lap, put them next to you, read books, just read over and over, and get them reading. That, that's training their minds you know, academically. Uh, too many kids, and I see, we see this in our in our adult lives. We're just bombarded, I and mean, we live in this information. I know I am managing much more data in any given moment than I ever had to, or my parents ever had to. And you don't want to train your kids or teach them that it's okay to have all these things going on at once. I really, I really think it's bad for their overall upbringing. Okay, let's let's go to another topic. How do you foster spiritual growth in your little ones before? How did you foster spiritual growth in your little ones before they started school? And what should I do with my three-year-old in the summer to teach him God's Word? Is there an activity book or plan I can follow? Ginger is grabbing books. Let me tell you the greatest resource I found just recently. So we didn't get to use it with our kids. Uh, Put out by Focus on the Family, The Spiritual Growth of Children absolutely wonderful I recommend it to every Christian family if you want to train your kids it is practical it is comprehensive they're gonna they go through and give you okay this is how to assess your family here's some ideas for how to spiritually train your kid here's by ages what you can teach them and practical ideas of how to do it um, one of the authors here is you've got uh, John Trent and uh, Kurt Brunner, I think, was the, the Family Night tool chest guy. We used Family Nights for years and years. Um, and just practical ideas, just chock full. You will wear this book out. Um, so highly, highly recommend it um, to answer that whole question. <laughs> It's just it's a consistent 
faith walk. And, and, and actually, you'll probably still, you, you still be practicing that when the boys are, are teens and, and grown men. Um, with, with little children, I would listen for spontaneous talk about Jesus and what they know about him. Um, and, and their spontaneous talk about sin. It's funny. You know, Jack told me that he doesn't sin. And I thought, how convenient. We talked about that, that, yeah, we all sin. And I reminded him, you know, that five minutes before he had sinned. But um, it's, it's a, like all of us, it's a journey of faith, right? Um, now, the specific things that Jay and I did, one thing that, that we have done, we, of course, we had this great blessing of going back to our grown children and saying, what do you think about this? And they are very verbal. You know, with them being women, they're just going to tell us exactly what they think we should do. But um, we use a, a Bible club training program called Awana. I don't know if any of you were in it as children. Um, we brought all of them up in it, and we take Jack to uh, several churches in the Dallas area have it. Um, we, we do it at Schofield Memorial Church because it's in our neighborhood. Um, it's a precept scripture learning program. Uh, process that's fun um, we also did devotionals in our home it was hilarious you know they'd be arguing over how bored they were or they'd be fighting over who got to pray first and you're like is this spiritual <laughs> but it is and you encourage them to pray for each other and uh, all of the all, all four of the children I don't know I don't know how it happens Sarah but it's, it's, it's the Holy Spirit working in their lives you know don't run ahead of the Holy Spirit it'll happen yeah. They'll, they'll trust the Lord. They'll, they'll make mistakes. But they all have quiet times. They all uh, are committed to Christ. Uh, but they're still people. You know, they make mistakes. I think we accept that they... Uh, I think you got to accept that little kids will profess faith, faith when they don't really have the capacity to do that. I'm not saying there's a definite age of accountability. Um, and I, I, mean, I have friends that tell me just one other day, well, my teenage son has thrown out God. And he was brought up at the church all along, you know. And I would say, well, it doesn't surprise me because I did the same thing when I was a teenager, you know. And so I think everyone has to come to grips with their own faith. And it may not happen at age 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, or 9. It can. I've seen kids that, you know, generally come to faith at a young age. I think you teach them the truth. You present it to them. Um, you live it. You've got to demonstrate it. The worst witness for a Christian is a Christian that, you know, lives an unchristian life. And we all do that to degree, but you know the, the the hypocrite is the is the worst witness for for Christ, and and we need to guard ourselves against that. And and that means you've got to be humble, and you've got to be able to look at, and you've got to rely on your spouse. And let me say that I'm sorry if if we're assuming that all y'all have husbands out there because I don't know you. Um, so if you don't, I apologize if we said things that that uh, don't apply to you. Uh, I do believe that. The husband, the father, ought to be the spiritual guide of the family too. I think too often it falls on the on the mother, which is fine. You're there maybe all day long, except for David's situation. Um, but ultimately, the father has to get in there and and be part of that. He has he has to to do it too. You can't let the wife just take all that on. Um, I've enjoyed this last year. I took my son to Awana Cubbies, the, the four-year-olds, and I had a blast. I mean, I went every Wednesday night. You know, we had 20 kids in a room, and it was wild, but we had a blast. And, you know, I had five little kids around the table, and, you know, it was, it was silly, but it was, it was a great fun. I think it's a great question, Sarah. I really appreciate your heart behind it. And, um, you know, our, our 15-year-old just got baptized, and that was great. 
our younger one, I think when he was eight, was wanting to get baptized, and we sort of discouraged him. I think we were right. Other people would say, what are you crazy? But we want him, he is a believer, he really, we just want it to really be when he's ready and he's made that decision on his own. And that's what it was for my 15-year-old. And uh, and I know several others on staff, there's also, we're 15 years old. And it's like, wow, that just seems so late. You'd think you'd get him in there as soon as possible. But, uh, you know, I so much want to, uh, you know, present everything to them, but just have no coercion, no coercion. But you know, we did start early. Let's let's get scriptures A through Z. So we had our A through Z scriptures that we started very early. We just started memorizing them. And then after that, we had a book by Karen Henley. I'm sure a lot of y'all are familiar with her, and she has 52 verses. One for each week, and we just go through that, and they've all been through that, and you know, you're, so you're sowing the seed of the word, but you're not doing any arm twisting, and also we try not to make it, you know, don't make the Bible a punishment, you know, oh, how can you drive your kid away? That, that's one great way. So we try to, you know, let's memorize this and and let's keep it upbeat and enjoy it without you know we don't just want to pound it into them so I guess I'm saying keep exposing them as early as possible read all the different versions of the child bibles as they age but and let them know that they can make that decision but just don't do any arm twisting that, I think that's, that's great from Deuteronomy. You know, yeah. you talk about it. If, if it, it wasn't natural for for me at all to do that, um, we went to church every time the door was open, and then our house was was crazy. You know what? We lived. I lived in a crazy house, and so you know, I, it went beyond being hypocritical. It was just, it was not applicable. So, um, if you weave your talking in with your child to. Now, thank you, Lord, for the sunshine. And it may sound silly to you, but they're three. That's why they are four. That's how they think. Mm-hmm. And it, then it becomes right. It becomes you start doing it. It's so natural. Yeah, it's good if they see. I mean, I hope everyone's having a, has a devotional life and they have it daily. And let them. You know, you don't want to live it just to be a, a Pharisee, but let them see you having your time. Invite them up there sometimes with you. Share. Look what I just read in the scripture today. This is so. This really blessed me, or really convicted me. Oh, God is so good, and and just let Him see you doing your time in the Word. I just want to add. Antoinette spoke a, a couple months ago on developing a servant's heart in your child, and that's a great talk that's on Watermark Radio too to listen to. But just and she talked about just talking through with your child as you're going through your day why you're doing certain things. Like when you have the grocery cart in the parking lot, when everyone else leaves it out there to bang in the cars, you take it back to the rack and you say, "We do this because this is you know it's honoring to God. This is the right thing to do. Um, you know we we don't you, you everything you're doing you're walking through somebody." gives you an extra $10 back in change, you take it back in the store. You explain to your child why you're doing that. Somebody charges you the wrong amount. You explain to them why you correct the checker and you say, no, it really wasn't on sale or it's not two for one or whatever it is. So they know what you're doing and the reason behind it. So, I think we want our kids to understand the relationship with the Lord, not know about Him. And I think that's when, you know, really them understanding your everyday actions and 
just how the Lord is with you in your walk every day. That's what we want our kids, because we want their hearts changed, and we want their hearts shaped by Him, not their head knowledge, which, you know, for those of us who were raised in the families we were in church, it was check those things off our list. We didn't have a relationship. I want my kids to be walking with Him daily, um, where He has just wrapped His arms around them, and they know that, um, and think about it. Because this is, it came up at the baptism service. Mm-hmm. My four-year-old wanted to know why he wasn't getting baptized. Because uh-huh. he was telling you all of, you know, all my kids would say, mm-hmm. they understand the gospel, they, and I think my four-year-old probably, if I had to pick one that I think really does his heart, it's there. It's probably him. And so it's like, oh, I want to encourage that. If, you know, and he would, he would talk about when you get baptized, and he's like, oh, well, I know, you know, I know she's I would not use those words. You're not ready to become a Christian there. Don't do that. You know, I, I like a very, there's like, no reason that as a five-year-old, you know, so I totally, I want to encourage his heart. But at the same time, I don't want him to be like, oh, well, I know she's going to be baptized. You know, I know she's going to be baptized. We were careful to say, you are a Christian. Do you believe this, this? Do you affirm? Good, that's great. So first of all, they're already a Christian. You know, make sure they know that if, if they've made those decisions. This doesn't have to do with you becoming a Christian, so make sure they understand the purpose of why baptism, you know, the, the public expression and, and avowal of my faith. Um, and, and then you really do have to be careful with your words, like you said, because you can really hurt them. So, well, you're not ready, you know, you're not. You're not a Christian, or you don't know what this means yet. I, I wouldn't say that. Uh, it's hard. It would, I don't really quite remember. Um, yeah, I don't remember that specific conversation. I do know that here at Watermark, we interview the kids um, apart from their parents before they're baptized. And our heart is making sure, one, that they understand the gospel and they understand what baptism is and isn't. Um, but we, we more often err on, why don't you wait? Um, because it is such a public declaration of their faith and it will mean more when they're older. Because they're, and um, and so, you know, it's possible that a child that young, you know, is ready. And I don't think it's sinful one way or the other. But you want that baptism to be significant to them, you know. And with Micah, you know, we just—it was hard because there's that comparison thing, you know. Well, my 14-year-old hasn't even been baptized yet, you know. Um, but to, we wanted it to be his decision. And so, so I think that baptism becomes something that's meaningful to them. And it's hard for it to be that meaningful when they're four. And so maybe that's a way to communicate of, you know, when you're older, this will mean more to you. I love your heart. I'm so glad that you want to obey God. But, you know, not being baptized doesn't have anything to do with you not going to heaven. But let's wait until you're older and so, so it's it's more meaningful to you. When yeah, it might be a thing of will you just trust mommy on this? You know, have have him have to do that. 
I would probably have to say if, if someone's truly come to faith and making a public profession is an act of obedience, go after it. Get baptized. Well, and in our kids, we had, they, um, all of them wanted to be baptized. And so um, what we did when we were here in our previous church, we sent them to the children's department and said, you know, go ahead and, and talk to them and let's just see what they say. And we told them they, that we just said, you know, they want, they want to hear what you know about Jesus and the gospel and why he rose from the dead. And that this, this is, shows other people that you're a Christian so that you're going to live like a Christian, not that you're not a Christian. And so, uh, and they all just got baptized as kids and we made big whoop de doos out of it, you know, took photos and, yeah. and, and not four, though, they were six, seven, and eight. Okay, just just another example, like I said earlier, people who love the Lord are going to do things different. And so it's your job to take the information, go home, talk with your uh, husband if you're married, and pray about it and make a decision what's going to be best for your family. So, All right, I had promised our speakers at the beginning that they would have some time at the end to just impart to you their words of wisdom, what they want, you know, what they would love for you to leave here with or what they want um, you to just focus on or think about um, things they've learned throughout the years. Uh, I'll do one. You do the other. We had two, and so I'm going to take one of them. Um, uh, we we mi- we really misuse the word discipline. I'm going to discipline my children, and what we mean is I'm going to usually corporal punishment uh, or uh, some type of punishment discipline. Uh, when used in the word, really has a sense of training. Uh, a spanking is one way, one part of a giant arsenal of training. And so, uh, really, are, we are to disciple our children. And we use the disciplines to do that. One of which might be punishment, but we're just looking through the Old Testament and the New Testament and listen to these words that they use to describe all these various aspects of discipline. Chastise, penalize, punish, rebuke, reprove, coach, correct, cultivate, develop, equip, guide, hone, instruct, mold, rehearse, season, shape, sharpen, teach, train, and tutor. That's discipline. And so I really wanted, I had an idea of, okay, I showed them once, they should get it. That's not training. Training implies it's not being done and I want it to be done. And it's a process of finally getting to where they should be. And that means there's, there's, there's miss, 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 and finally we get it. And so remember, as, as those who are discipling our children, that we are training them. And it's a long-term effect. And it's...